That is disgusting. Why would you want Smash Bread? But whatever. Rolling, take one. Is it going to be all right? Hello and welcome to All Through a Lens. This is a podcast about film photography where we discuss a little more than just film photography. I'm Vanya. And I'm Eric. And for today's episode, we're getting ready for a bit of socially, a bit of socially awkward and socially isolated travel. It's yeah. surprisingly similar to the way we regularly travel. We'll unload yep. with you. We'll unload some stories, some tips, and tricks on not only how to travel with cameras, but how to just travel in general on the cheap, as the good Lord intended. First, Vanya, how the hell are you? I've been doing pretty good. Just uh, kind of going through the motions. Work is working and prepping for photo travel kind of cleaning up my van a little bit Ooh. doing some fancy things inside <laughs> i put like fake astroturf grass in it the other day it's <laughs> fabulous <laughs> so i don't know how long that's gonna actually last for but the idea seemed neat and it looks really cool so yes i'm also been doing some sewing my daughter has been wanting to kind of like learn how to sew a little bit so i've been making a ton of masks for nice. my family and friends like super strange funky weird masks okay. i don't know they look cool they're not medically like at all for medical use but you have to wear masks when you go out so why not make them cute that is true <laughs> very good point i'm thinking about making some camera straps actually that's kind of like my next plan wow yeah i think it'd be kind of cool all cloth obviously trying to be creative yeah that's a good thing to do one thing we both did which was a ton of fun that was, amazing. was go on the negative positive podcast. Yeah. It was, we were catching up with old friends. We kind of all just had a really good conversation. Yeah. If you guys haven't heard that episode, definitely, if you need more of us, you can definitely check their podcast out. We crashed it and enjoyed it. And I'm, I am really hoping that we can get them on our show at some point yeah uh i think it's really cool to um support other podcasts that are you know photography film photography related why not like why this not? is awesome <laughs> why, i love it why not support other podcasts uh it was a lot of fun it was kind of a free-for-all really yeah it was so the important thing is you asked me what i've been up to <laughs> eric yeah tell us all about everything that you've been up to the past few weeks well funny you should ask i got a car now Wait. <laughs> no um, I haven't been doing like a whole lot compared to summers past, but we're doing a, a couple of day trips here and there, which is really great. But I've been shooting kind of a lot. I've I've not really done the 35 millimeter thing as I've talked about before. And so I have I've had less to develop. You know, the whole thing where I'm kind of like, well, no, you have as many cameras as you want and use as many cameras as you can. That's kind of my thing. And I'm not rethinking that. I'm just kind of not doing that. I still mm -hmm. think it's a good policy and a good thing to do if that's what you want to do. But I'm kind of... I'm really limiting myself. Well, I'm not doing the whole like one camera only thing. I'm definitely limiting what I use. And I'll talk about that a bit later. One of the things that's taking place with this multitude of cameras is more developers. We've been doing the whole dev party thing for a while. And we're kind of, that's exploding right now with uh, all these different developers that we're using. <laughs> exactly. I've been playing around trying to find out what I like with like, you know, for, for each emulsion. So I'm trying to figure out like, here's the best developer for this emulsion for me. 
and I don't think I'll ever settle on a single emulsion for like, like anything really like I won't I definitely can't like oh I'm only going to use rotanol or I'm only going to use HC110 that's definitely not what, what's happening I'm kind of going the opposite direction we are in like a really fun experimental phase right now where you're playing with emulsions and different developers and the combination, seeing what you like the most, which is great. Yeah. We've both had trouble with certain emulsions, Fomapan, Berger, even FP4. We've both kind of had trouble getting those just right, the way we like them. And I would like to maybe figure out exactly how I want to develop them. Sorry, guys, I created a monster. Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> this is all my fault. I feel very <laughs> responsible for this new um, developer thing. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's fun to watch, so I'm enjoying every moment of it. <laughs> okay, so I think it's time to check the answering machine. And the question this episode is, if you died today, what would people say about your life through the photos that you've left behind? Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. It's always the unassuming background details that the future is most interested in. But will any photo be looked at twice in the sea of billions? I like making zines because it's giving me this opportunity to discover my own photos and present them in a way that's discoverable for other people who've maybe already seen the picture but have a different reaction to the thing in their hands. My art is about laughing in the face of meaninglessness and a denial of nihilism. And I hope that that comes through just in the effort, just in the act and the cost, the opportunity cost of doing all these things. Can he write my eulogy? I kind of just want him to speak at my funeral, honestly. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, um, I'll see if he's free. (laughs) So you have a lot of zines, Eric. Yes. You have like stacks of zines that you've made. I do, yeah. Do you ever go through them and kind of revisit and kind of see where, you know, especially with this question, have you done that? I didn't. No, because I mean, mean, honestly, he brings up a good point with the zines is that you know most of our photos are either on negatives or scanned in we don't have all, i mean as far as the body of work goes it's not printed mm-hmm. but with uh, those of us who do zines there is a print aspect to it and a very accessible print aspect to it, it isn't like one or two or a limited you know 20 prints or whatever and then that's it these are mm-hmm. out there and people are, are reading them and looking at them once we're gone these are the things that will survive yeah, because if you see, like, files on computers, you're going to kind of skim through them. You're not really going to get, like, a full idea of, like, you know, what kind of person this was, like, with their photography, maybe. But, like, if you see something that they created as far as, like, a compiled book or zine, every page has meaning. Yeah. You know, they were mindful of what they wanted to put in this, like, tangible piece yeah. of work or body of work. Hi, this is Kate Miller-Wilson. I love this question, and I think about this sometimes, because I mainly shoot 4x5 film and fine art portraits, and that doesn't necessarily reflect reality because there's a certain amount of preparation that's required. Sometimes I get snapshots, but not so much. So, yeah, I guess if somebody were to look at my photos, they would think that I loved my family. And that would be true. And they would think that my children would do anything I asked them to do, which isn't necessarily the case. But I think they would see that my kids love me, too, because I asked them to do some really strange stuff. (laughs) That is adorable and sweet. (laughs) 
her Instagram is just full of the most amazing family, like portraits, very personal portraits that I have seen. I think with what I was explaining with Robert, like telling a little bit of a story, she does that with her descriptions and her images. And, you know, uh, most people that follow her know about you know, her son, her children, her experience. And um, being able to follow along with that has been um, really enjoyable. I love her photography. Yeah, it's one of my favorite accounts to follow. If people saw my photos after I was dead, what would they say about me? Or what would those photos say about me? They would say that my kids and my family mean the world to me above all else. I see that... In, now you don't share a lot of these, of course, but the way that you shoot Marley. Mm-hmm. I know, it's interesting. I mean, she obviously shares a lot of family photos. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that that's cool. Um, I don't have that. And you share some with Mars, but not a ton. Yeah, so I actually have a secret, like, personal account with only family followers. Yeah. So sorry, kids. <laughs> and those, you know, there's pictures of me on there, but very rarely. And then there's pictures of my family. Yeah. I decided that I wanted to keep my film account pretty um, much about just film. It's interesting because I like I do love my family, as does Susan. Some people share more than others. And I don't know, I guess I'm trying to figure out that balance for myself. Hi, Ralph Brandy. There is no cat on Flickr and Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. This is something I've thought about a lot. My dad died about 10 years ago. My brother died about a year later. And I totally had to rethink some things about the way I photographed and what I was photographing, what I was trying to say. And where I landed on thinking about this was, I don't care. I'll be dead. What difference does it make to me? Thanks. (laughs) There is a cat. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, I get what he's saying. You don't have to care. No, well, because we'll be dead, so we we can't care anymore. To us, the point is moot. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting to wonder, what will they say? We're not going to know, and we're not going to care, because we're going to be dead. But what will they say? What will they think? You know, what, what, do our, what do our photos tell us? And he said he's, after the death of his father and his brother... Um, he made a change. I, he didn't say what the change was. I'd be interested in hearing that. Like, what, yeah. you know, what did he change from? He changed to, you know, like, well, it doesn't matter, I'll be dead. And yeah, that's just true. But what was it before that? That's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah, I wonder, like, when Marley's 50 years old, if she'll, like, look back at all the photos that I took, or will it be her children that will look back at all the photos that I took? Or maybe maybe she won't even have any children and no one will look at them at all. <laughs> the possibilities are depressing and endless. <laughs> Hi, Eric and Vanya. This is Hannah Grace. So in response to that question about what our photos mean about us, I think if someone saw my photos, they would think that, <laughs> that I like being outside. And uh, that I don't love taking pictures of people, but that I do take some pictures of what appears to be random people, and that I mostly shoot alone, and that I'm afraid of flash. So those are probably what they'd think about me, and also that I love shooting out in the West. So, I don't know, I feel like that is the 
summary of my work. I love that baby. (laughs) Awesome baby. Just like, I don't care if you're recording right now. (laughs) Yeah, all of those things do come through. And in her photos, I think there's a lot more that comes through. I think so too. With hers. And I think that, I think that a lot of times it's, it's tough for us. And this is a tough question. I think that's one of the reasons why we didn't get a lot of answers. It's on the surface. It's like, we could just say like, well, here's what I shoot, but Mm -hmm. it's a lot harder, maybe even impossible to go. Here's what other people think of that. It's a strange question. Yeah. All right. Who else gets to tackle this? Last guy. Last guy. Let's do it. Hey guys, this is Federico from Italy. Hard question. Uh, Well, if it was, the question was done probably till a, a month ago after the lockdown. It could have been, you know, my life and the way I was totally in love with my now ex-girlfriend, back then girlfriend. So, but seeing it now uh, where I had to, you know, cancel some pictures, delete some pictures because it kind of hurts. But now it's more of, you know, my adventures. Uh, I don't. I take pictures. Whatever I take pictures of, whatever I see. So things I like. It could be the mountains. It could be someone particular in the city. It could be, you know, people at the subway station or, or taking a train. It's seeing just my life, the places I see, and the beauty that lies in front of me. Peace, guys. I remember him calling in. Yes. Um, about his girlfriend. Yeah, I know. I'm sad. It, it is sad, but... Um, but maybe good. I mean, he seems like he's being quite mindful of his surroundings and kind of seeing beauty in other places. So that's always good. Yeah, it is. It would be interesting to see Federico's, uh, like, the changes. Because I'm, I'm sure before uh, he was with this uh, significant <laughs> other, yeah, he took photos a certain way. It'd be interesting to see, like, after that, with, with the time passing and with the, you know, emotions passing, if there is, what like, a changed? before, yeah, if there is a before and after... You know, here's my photos. Yeah. Here's how here's how I shot before, and here's how I shoot now. Because it's just like, oh, I broke up with my girlfriend. That's a, such an easy thing to say, but oh, there's could, there could be a lot, a lot more involved. Yeah, like emotionally, you know, that could be like a, a a very, very significant milestone in his life, and that could be, you know, like here's where you know I really started to be to become come into my own as a photographer or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. it'd be interesting in a couple of years to look back on that and see what he's done. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, the big big events like that can be especially painful ones. <laughs> well, yeah, painful or, or I mean anything like that. It, it can it can really change how you create art. It yeah. should it should change. You know, your art shouldn't be the same after something like that. If yeah. it is, then like what, what the fuck are you doing? You know? Yeah. Well, it's just like anything. You you get older and you grow and you change as a person. Yeah. Hopefully for the better. Okay, so I think it's time for us to answer this question, too. <laughs> Let's see what we can come up with. Yeah. Like, well, okay, put it this way, Vanya. If I died today, what would you say about my life through the photos that I've left behind? So before we really started talking, I was obviously following you on Instagram, and I was so intrigued by you. Like, who is this person? He, like comments these super long descriptions about all these certain places and he has strong opinions 
Um, he uses a bunch of expired film. I think this was the load and subdued light guy, actually. Oh. Maybe I have you mistaken. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know if it's the same guy. <laughs> I was a little bit intimidated because you seem like you knew your shit. I did not. <laughs> now I know you don't. <laughs> Just kidding. He does. He knows his shit. No, I don't. But I wanted to like ask you a couple questions and it took me forever to finally reach out to you because I, I think I was just like, I felt like not good enough or I don't know. I just felt like, like self-conscious about it. Like I was like, Oh, he's not going to want to talk to me. We're, we're friends now, obviously. And uh, now we develop together for the most part, almost Almost every time we develop. Uh, So we kind of share back and forth. Like we'll get on hangouts and I'll share like, what I developed or the best of what I developed and he will share his. And it's been such a great experience to kind of see um, where Eric kind of started where and where he is now. I feel like I've seen a little bit of a shift, not much. Um, He's still shooting desolate places and interesting angles, uh, but his his angles actually have gotten better. Um, I'll take a tiny itty bitty bit of credit for that. (laughs) Take a lot of credit Um, for that. I think that Eric kind of, I guess I'm going to just like call you out. Um, (laughs) Eric talks about like, oh, I like being, you know, by myself and shooting these empty places in which he totally does. But I know he gets lonely and sad when he's on the road. And I think that sometimes I can see that in his pictures. They're a little lonely and sad. Also, there is extra care there's little bits and pieces of extra care like something that might not or should be photographed maybe by anybody he will photograph it you know an old you know an old broken down house and you know I know that's pretty popular but the way that you shoot it makes me see and I know this now that you have you know a a big heart uh, when you shoot flowers, of course, I am always like, oh, my God, that's so adorable. He's shooting flowers, you know, because you have a little bit of a softer side. And I've been able to, you know, see that. I've also seen your evil side when he's pissed at me when I can't focus. So he's got that, too. Um, evil. But, yeah, I think there's just like a little bit of romance to your photos. You've been talking to Aloy a little bit, I think. <laughs> Well, it's true. You know what? He did comment recently about it, and he's yeah. and he's completely right. There is there is a little bit of you're not just here, and you don't care about these places. I see the care that you give these places. I see the time that you take to shoot a place yeah. um, because it shines out of your pictures. So beat that, <laughs> boom. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Um, <clears throat> I'm kind. Of, I, I mean, I'm. I'm, I'm kind of speechless. I'm, I don't. I don't know. Thank you. I'm just, you're not usually one for words. <laughs> <laughs> you're right about that. You are right about that. And I'm not. No. Just came straight from the heart. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh my goodness. So I guess I, I'll answer it about you. Um, well, I, I can go back to my first impression of your photos. Um, I thought you were a dude. And so I would like to go <laughs> back to that after you die, just to thinking that you're a dude. Wait, did you really think I was a dude? Cause I really get excited when people think I'm a dude. I, I wasn't sure. I mean, honest, and I'm, I'm joking, but um, when I first saw them, I don't, 
I don't remember thinking that specifically. I do remember thinking that you're a sleaze stack. I am a sleaze stack. Okay, well, that makes sense then. I have scaly skin you, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no lotion here. <laughs> and big buggy eyes. And you, you're, Yes, big buggy eyes. Oh. I actually do have big buggy eyes. <laughs> um, I guess. Yeah, I'm a real creep. <laughs> At that point, for the most part, you were posting your surf photography exclusively. I mean, there was a few things here and there, but it was always kind of beach related. Yep. And there wasn't, it's not that I dislike surfing or dislike the beach or the shore as it's properly called. Oh God, here we go. But it wasn't something that, that really attracted me. Sure. Like a sunrise or a sunset or like a, a misty beach with rocks or whatever is pretty and all that shit. But it, there was, I don't shoot misty. No, beach. you oh, don't. I do actually a little bit. That moonstone picture is pretty misty. Misty. It wasn't, but it, that wasn't what I was looking at with yours. It was, you shot, I'd, <clears throat> I'd seen surf photography before, um, obviously. And it's always exciting and interesting. And there's always like just some dude shredding on a wave. And yours <laughs> wasn't that. It wasn't like aggro. There was a like a, a softness to it. There was a beauty to it. I mean, I knew you surfed, but it was such a, a different kind of surf photography. And, and since then, I've kind of seen you grow a bit where we're looking at your photos sometimes and we're seeing landscapes mm-hmm. in the waves and canyons in the waves. And we're comparing them to other landscapes, you know, comparing to other photos. To hear you speak of your photos, you often don't give yourself much credit at all. And I think that's such a shame that, you, that you're down on yourself like that, because what you're doing is very special. Oh. It's, it's, it's so foundational for you. You can tell this is kind of where you started. It's where you wanted to explore film. Mm-hmm. And seeing you now kind of not leaving the ocean, but kind of like venturing out, like stomping up on the beach and then crawling out into the, the world of the rest of the people. Oh, I felt like a lizard. Well, or, you know, kind of. Well, you're venturing out. You know, you, you are, you're shooting mountains. You're going, in, you're, you're, you're going into the mountains. Uh, you're, you're doing actual landscapes on land. It's, you're, you're taking the things that you've learned in the ocean, which is constantly moving and constantly changing. And you're applying those things to what you're shooting as well and what you will be Mm -hmm. shooting this summer, which I think is really exciting. When I started like really focusing on like, okay, I'm going to just like shoot the way that I see it. It came from like a very bratty place in my heart. I think a lot of it has to do with like the way that the surf industry like portrays women in like surfing Mm -hmm. and how women in general, portray themselves sometimes in surfing. They kind of feed into that, and I kind of hate it. There's more to it than that, and I think I just wanted to show, like, a raw image or just a raw look of, like, what my surf experience is like. I think you do. I think that's... It's now that I know you, and I can see, like, how your photos are representative of the way you surf and the way you're just in the water and in in your life in a lot of ways. The brattiness maybe doesn't come across, but maybe without the brattiness, that wouldn't exist at all. Probably. Like, I mean, I even, like, longboarding, for instance, wasn't really, like, that cool um, 10 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, I mean, there's always been a, like, little niche for (laughs) it. 
But like at my surf break, it's kind of more like if it's big, you know, you ride a shortboard and people would be like, oh, you're out here on your longboard or like, oh, like, are you sure about that? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I am. Because it's kind of like a big like, fuck you. Like, I'll do what I want. <laughs> so I think shooting film in the water was kind of that for me, too, because yeah. it was like everybody was like those GoPro mounts on their surfboards or like, you know, the digital aqua tech, like these yeah. fancy images of these pristine waves in these perfect barrels. And it's just like, well, yeah, you can get those moments, but that's not like reality. Yeah. And I think that's what I struggle with constantly with social media. And that's why I don't really even post that much or I go through these like little moments where I just kind of stop posting for a few days and kind of give myself a break because I think we all like portray ourselves as a certain way or a certain thing. I think I struggle with that. Yeah. Because what what are we portraying ourselves as like on social media? If you look at your like profile and you look at your photos, like if you die and I found out that you died, I'm I would open up your profile and what would I see? What would that show me about you? I definitely don't want like 20 selfies of myself. No, of course not. And you don't you don't have, <laughs> you don't have that. I mean, your your photos show you show your life especially in the water but but outside and how you're taking chances you're, i mean it it's this is not an easy question when it was asked in the movie one hour photo it was rhetorical <laughs> and then we were like oh that would be perfect let's ask that yeah and so i think i think we're discovering that well it's there's no there's no good answer here. there's no right answer episodes ago we asked kind of nobody i guess if it would be sort of rude to talk about travel during the coronavirus outbreak and now that things are opening up a little bit here and there we thought maybe it wouldn't be so cruel to to ask about it and to talk about travel because we all want to do it and a lot of us are doing it and it's stuff that we can just always take with us you know when we're planning our next trip whenever that might be so you ready to talk about this Vanya? Yeah, let's talk about it. Even if you're not planning on traveling uh, this summer, maybe we'll give you some key points to help you with some traveling if you plan on bringing your cameras with you. We're talking about travel, but we're going to be talking kind of more about traveling on the cheap and, you know, how to cut corners and all of that so that we can make more room for more days and more room for film photography, which isn't a cheap oh, it hobby. Sounds very familiar. Like, there was this zine that I have that has something like this. I don't so know what you're talking about. It might be a little bit familiar, but I think we're just taking a little bit from that and then kind of growing it into just a tiny bit of something. Yeah, I think we're doing that. <laughs> doing a tiny bit of something. And one of the things that was sorely missing from that zine was your experience. Vanya, what was your experience growing up with camping? Did you guys do some of it? Yes, we did. Uh, so we didn't have a lot of money uh, growing up. But also my mom was very in love with the outdoors. And mm. she gave that to us as a gift. And I am so thankful uh, for her for that. I owe her for my love of travel because we did a ton when we were little. Aww. In prepping for this, I, I saw a picture of a van going around here and there. And it was not just the van that you use now. Not that van. It was another van that maybe you got some inspiration from. What, what was up with this old this old van? Yeah, so my mom had a, I 
don't know the year. It's in the 70s. It's a GMC camper van. So it had like the ladder on the back and it had two middle seats that swiveled. And then it had a bench seat in the far back that folded out into a bed. And of course, it was like that funky green and brown like plaid um, oh, yeah. upholstery. Oh, beautiful inside. stuff. This van actually is still around. Uh, my brothers and I have seen it because there's a specials sticker on the back of it, like a little like guy. The, the two-tone guy? Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, I've seen it around, and I would love to actually like own it again. That would be amazing, That'd just be to like, get my mom's old van <laughs> back. But I, my van's awesome. I love my van. I think that I definitely drew inspiration from my mom and the way that she traveled and how I travel today has a lot of influence from from her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what about you? What about your childhood experiences? Well, my parents, they wanted to give us, well, they wanted to give us like as much as they could. And of course, we weren't incredibly wealthy, to say the least. And so they really couldn't give us much. We couldn't get motel rooms. We couldn't, we couldn't do things like that. We could, however, do camping. And so we did. We did camping, I guess, from before I can remember. I talked to my mom a little bit about it. And we apparently had a Shasta uh, camper trailer, trailer camper, one of those things, which then gave way to the Hillary four-person tent, which I've looked up and they go for like $600 now, which is just bonkers. <laughs> that there was a pop-up camper that was just bizarre, a truck camper that there's no photos of, but the quick story I remember from the truck camper was that it was the last time I ever vomited. Oh. <laughs> I just barfed a lot. I barfed a lot. <laughs> so yeah, we, we would always do something kind of educational. Uh, wherever we would go, there'd be, there could be a reason for us to go there. We'd go to like a battlefield. We'd go to a museum. Uh, we'd go to caves a lot. Uh, things that kids like, I guess, or we liked it anyway. There'd be amusement parks as well, but it was always camping. And I think I've also kind of carried that with me too, where everything, every time I travel, usually a historical purpose, like last year I did the Nez Pierce Trail. And, you know, before that I, I did uh, Oregon Trail and I've done, you know, different like older things. I like seeing old things and experiencing old things. And that, that comes directly from my mom. But what comes from your mom is the camera. Yes, the Minolta. Yeah. XGSE. It, it ain't no Leica, but <laughs> it... Yeah, I mean, all those photographs from all those trips are with that camera. Oh, um, nice. So I have tons of photos of us just being grubby little camp kids, <laughs> basically. I think one, one, of the gr- like, one of the most exciting things about going camping yeah. is being able to basically get lost. Like, you know, we'd like get there. My mom wanted to set up camp on her own. And so we would just like take our bikes and just get, just go, yeah. go down to the lake or go up and find uh, wood or whatever, you know, yeah. look for animals. So speaking of that, like the privilege of camping, um, the privilege of vacationing in general. Yeah. You know, a lot of people maybe don't think that they can do that. Both of us, we grew up pretty poor. Mm-hmm. My parents, they weren't well off enough to afford the best, but we were privileged enough to do small camping trips to state parks. And, and we, as my dad got, you know, at his job more, he got paid more and got more raises. Of course, they were, we were able to do a, a bit more as, as I got older. Though we've got a slew of tips for you. It can't be stressed enough that even how we travel is a luxury. 
sure, it's free camping and sometimes without even pit toilets, cooking our own food, staying away from the most touristy places. But we're in cars. We're filling them up with gas. We may not be rolling in cash money, baby, but we aren't destitute. So with that, not just financial privilege, I for, for me anyway, I'm, I'm white. And mm-hmm. that affords me a bit of extra privilege, especially where I go, which is mm-hmm. usually the Midwest. I'm, I can do stuff and nobody really questions it. Um, right now, we're seeing a lot of black people getting guns pointed at them for just being in, being in their own yard or being, you know, in their own in their own neighborhood. And what to speak of, of traveling into somebody else's neighborhood, which is what I do. That's, that's, my, mm-hmm. that's my thing. <laughs> I'm in your neighborhood. And because I'm a white guy, nobody really cares all that much. I'm generally asked if I'm poaching. Which is, nope, not doing that. <laughs> a vegan poacher. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for your soybeans, sir. <laughs> or they ask if I'm like an insurance guy or something. Okay, that makes sense. I think it's important that if, you know, if you're white and you're traveling, kind of keep that in the back of your mind sometimes. Don't forget that. That's an important thing to remember. Well, even just picking up a camera and shooting inside a town anywhere. Yeah. I, I think that being aware of your privilege <laughs> is like probably something that we... Um, we don't realize, and we, I think we are starting to realize that a little bit more and be aware of that. Yeah, privilege with race and privilege with economic standing, we're both doing better than we had been, you know, two decades ago. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, keeping that in mind as well. And we're trying to keep, when we're writing all of this, we're, we'd really try to keep that in mind. And, you know, I know where I come from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know where we come from. And we know that even if you are, you know, considerably wealthier than we are traveling on the cheap is is just it's not a bad thing to do no because that means if you can if you're able to take the time off you're allotted more trips throughout the year which is great yeah you know why blow all your money on one stupid trip and you know go to those timeshare seminars (laughs) and spend your money on that bullshit when you can get in your car and drive it. I mean, honestly, there's so much to this state that I haven't even discovered all of it. And it's so fun to be able to do that. Yeah. Like even you, Eric, like you always talk about going to Eastern Washington, but I don't really hear you going to the Western side of Washington where the ocean is. No, I, well, I go to the ocean and uh, I know this is going to sound bizarre to you. I get there and I'm just like, the fuck do I do now? That's probably what you felt like maybe the first time you were in Eastern Washington. You just got to keep going. The first time that I really traveled into Eastern Washington, I was awestruck, completely awestruck that me, who a person who thought that Washington was exclusively evergreen trees, it's the evergreen state, you got out there and there's sagebrush and dirt and, and big rocks and canyons. I was utterly mystified and taken by it. And so when I shot those places and I brought it back to the people I knew at work, I was like, people who had lived in Seattle their entire lives, I was like, why, why isn't this place more popular? <laughs> what's, what's going on here? And they looked at it and they were like, where is this? Like, what's, it's just like two hours away. Like, oh, I didn't know we had canyons in Washington. I didn't know this was even here. Mm-hmm. And so people don't know their own area. So when we're talking about 
like even even like you know vacations or traveling on the cheap and all of that that doesn't mean go out and do like thousands and thousands of miles necessarily that could no, mean do a weekend trip do a do a day trip even yeah so let's get into it then yeah let's do it traveling on the cheap let's do it let's define it first let's Try to be organized so people can follow along. As Do our well very, as very best here. We're, okay. Yes. So when I say traveling on the cheap, uh, I mean whatever you normally do, spend less, a lot less. You want to keep things as tight as they possibly can be and make the most out of what you can afford. Yeah. So nothing fancy, no valet parking, day spas, things like that. No room service, no floofy pillows, unless you bring your own floofy pillows. Bring your own floofy pillow. Which I recommend bringing a floofy pillow with you. And when you're traveling, if you have to decide, and this is going to sound at the same time privileged and also anarchistic in a way, if you're trying to decide whether to go into work a day or travel a day, you're going to remember that travel day. You're not going to remember the work day. True. And if you can afford to do that and bail on work, call in sick or call in. Take a personal day. I mean, there are like options, right? We need money to do some things. And those things are generally the essentials. It's basically the same as essentials in your normal life. You need food and you need a place to stay, shelter of some kind. And because we're traveling, you need gas. We're going to tell you how to cut corners on almost all of those things. <laughs> Okay, let's start with eating. So when you, what are you, what are you doing eating-wise? You know, honestly, I don't eat very much on the road if I'm by myself. Okay. Probably because I'm very focused on like either getting somewhere or not getting somewhere. Yeah. And sometimes I even forget, which is really bad. Uh, but because I have a van, I have a cooler of random stuff. So honestly, all I really, really need is... Water, coffee, popcorn, a bag of bread, and like almond butter and jelly. And I could probably survive for months. <laughs> I like don't care at all. If I'm like camping in one spot, then things get a little bit more technical. Oh, sure. You can actually cook then. Yeah, but I don't eat meat. So I don't really need to like have too much refrigerated stuff. No, isn't that so. nice? <laughs> That yeah, nice? it really is, actually. <laughs> it really is. Um, yeah, when I'm traveling, I don't I don't eat out, uh, unless it's like a very, very special occasion. Like, I remember a couple years ago, I went into Wichita, and I ate at this double-decker vegan bus, where you order in the, on the first floor, and you eat on the second floor. So it's special occasions like that, that I'll eat. I, I'll You're eat, like, what? No, it was amazing. Oh, wait, really good. I think it was cauliflower wings. Oh, my God. It was so good. <laughs> Anyway, I do cook on the road. I cook almost every day. Well, I'll walk you through my lunch. So I shoot in the morning because it's beautiful light. And so around 11 o'clock, I start looking for a place to eat lunch. And so I, I usually try to find a town park. I'll do a rest, like a roadside rest, like a rest area thing if I have to, but I don't like to. Town parks are great. State parks are good. And you do it around noon because the shadows are boring then. The photos can be really boring then. I get, I have this little butane stove, little tiny little one burner butane stove, and I boil water on it. And I have these little boil in a bag Indian meals mostly. You sit them in there for five minutes and boiling it comes out and they're nice and hot. And I get this, I have Indian food almost every day on the road. And it's, you know, rice and, and dal and some masala and maybe some sabji. It's nice. It's, it's you know, it's cheap. It's cheap-ish. You know, I, I spend all in all about eight bucks a day on food. And that includes snacks. And for snacks, I absolutely cannot stress <laughs> enough that cereal, dry cereal is the way to go. A lot of people will think yes. chips or pretzels or something and those are fine. Dried cereal 
Cereal in general is fortified. There's vitamins in it, and yet it is still candy. It is. Eric is eight years old, by the way, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) He still eats cereal out of a bag. I do. I do. It's wonderful. And so then after I'm done eating lunch, I'll get back in the car. Maybe I'll explore the town a little bit and see if there is anything to see there. And it gives, it just breaks up your day a bit. And I like that. Yeah, so you shoot in the morning, Mm -hmm. eat eat at the worst possible time as far as light goes yes. for shooting yes. and then get back on the road after that, which makes sense. Uh, one of my favorite things to do while traveling is visiting small town grocery stores. Oh, it's the best. You're like, you're kind of peeking into their world a little bit. So we covered food, one essential, that's down. Uh, mine is about eight bucks a day. That's mm-hmm. for everything. So let's sleep. Let's let's go to sleep. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs> Talking about sleep. So I have two options on the road, and that is cheap and free. <laughs> cheap is just that. It's not it's not hotels. Like you'll be driving along the interstate and you'll see like camping, KOA. Well, if you pull into a KOA, they're generally gonna charge you thirty or forty dollars to plop your tent down. Yeah, it's insane. It's ridiculous. Um, and probably two blocks away is another place that you can camp for eight bucks. With camping, I use a tent. I have a uh, like a, a bright orange marmot tent. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little or on the, marmo or if marmo, you want to be fancy, super fancy marmo. Um, but you don't need an expensive tent. You can get like literally anything, like a Coleman tent or some, some something off of Craigslist or whatever. Picking the right time to travel, checking weather, making sure that you're packing enough blankets and things like that is obviously ideal. Yeah. But sleeping in a tent when it rains is fine. You just you need to be prepared. So let's talk about like the particular applications or things online that you that can help you pick campgrounds. I use pretty much one website. Well, I use Google as well. Who doesn't? But I use freecampsites.net. And so what you do is you kind of look for the area that you're going to be in, and it'll have little little pop-up things that on the map that tell you, here's where the free camping is. And a lot of times there'll be reviews. And some of the reviews are by me. I don't know if I could travel the way I do without it. It's a great website. There's no app. And that's a bummer because when you're on the road, it really sucks to like try to get that freecampsites.net on yeah. your phone. So get your shit together, you guys. Get it together. Now, almost all of the pay sites, though not all of them, but almost all of the pay sites have bathrooms. When you're getting to the free camping, which is where free campsites.net really comes in, they do also do cheap campsites. You need to know what your limits are. And if there's not a bathroom, that may be a deal breaker for you. And so you have to kind of keep that in mind. For me, it's not a deal breaker. If you're interested in exploring life without a bathroom, might I suggest the book How to Shit in the Woods by Kathleen Myers. There's a new edition that's just out and it covers every aspect of pooping outside that you could possibly think of. I mean, it's really kind of the book on pooping outside. There are others. There really are, but this one's the best. Okay. So have you, you've done a little bit of free camping. I have. Um, So I sleep in my car. Uh, I have two options because I have a pop-up and that's like camping. Yeah. But if I need to like pull over and sleep, I could just like, hide in the back and sleep that way too. Yeah. Uh, I try not to do that. I try to plan ahead so I have a place to stay. If I'm out for more than a week or two, I like to break it up and get like a motel or hotel um, at least one night out of like every 10 or something. Yeah. That's... Uh, to take like a proper shower, to use a proper bathroom, to sleep in a proper bed and actually wash my clothes. So yeah, um, giving yourself a little bit of a break or like a zero day, it at least helps keep my morale up because I think that after a while you're kind of drained and you're like, okay, what am I doing now? Like, 
just sleeping in a bed and like getting a shower and kind of taking a moment to yourself, maybe even just completely resting and not even going anywhere that day to plan the rest of your trip has helped me in the past. If you want a free or cheap camp, for me, the only site that I look at, the only site is freecampsites.net. Do you have any others that you look at? I've been using the dirt. And that's D-Y-R-T, is that right? Yeah, okay. yeah, I've been using that. And then there's also like Trucker Path, okay. as far as like emergency, like sleeping oh, <laughs> sure. situations. Yeah. But those two I've been having luck on. I can, you know, set it to free or almost free. I can set it to like if there's reception or not. Because that's nice, if yeah. I'm by myself, depending on where I am or how far out I am, sometimes I want to make sure that I have reception or I know where to get reception if I need it. Yeah, one place I stayed in New Mexico, uh, it was 50 miles to the nearest reception. Yeah. So that's like where like, hey, this is where I'm camping. I'm going to give you like send you a pin i drop pins like to family members and things just so people know where i am so every time i camp somewhere new i'm like hey i'm in my spot or here i'm sending you a pin where i'm going to be and then i'm going to leave at this time tomorrow around this time and i'll call you when i leave yeah or when i get reception next yeah it's just smart so Mm -hmm. gas is really the only other like totally essential and there's honestly there's not much you can really do about that it is what it is uh there are a few things you can do okay you can invite someone to come with you. That's true. And then you can split. Yes, splitting gas <laughs> is is heaven, yes. <laughs> so say like you're going to a specific location, find out if there's like trams or free bus systems. Sometimes you can use like local transportation yeah. to get around if you want to kind of explore. You can also bring a bike or rent a bike yeah. in some places, some places too. It certainly helps. Uh, it, it, it cuts your, your daily gas, not quite in half, because you will have to drive here and there a little bit, but it cuts it considerably doing like maybe every other day you're, you're traveling long and every other day you're kind of staying in one place. It also mm. helps you photograph the place a little better. You get to know it a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. I have some experience with that where I had decided to stay put in a certain area Mm -hmm. in eastern Sierra part of California where I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And then I got to the first destination. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay here all day and explore this little parcel, basically. Yeah. And it was worth it. There was enough for me to do. And there's still way more than I, that I didn't even get to see yet. So. It's exciting and it's not about the miles really. It's just about like what you can see in a small area sometimes. So yeah. I can I can picture you pulling into a gas station, say a truck stop, and like you can escape if you just use your card on the pumps and then go on no, your no, merry no, way. No. That's but, not my style. Uh, yeah, I didn't think I like it to was. go inside. Yeah. I like to buy myself a Merle Haggard tape <laughs> and get myself a flaming bandana and the worst glasses, like you know, like the mirrored hot pink glasses I could find. <laughs> that um, is my jam. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> that is very Oh, you. and also candy, of course. Of course. Not surprisingly leads us to our next topic, which is shit not to buy. So True. Everything Except she's mentioned. Like $5 there. glasses. I mean, if, you, it's, I if they break, they break. It's not like Louis Vuitton or Gucci glasses, no, you know? No. Like, and, they're just... Yeah, I don't buy souvenirs. I don't buy postcards which is kind of a dickish thing i realize that yeah you should you should buy like stuff go to a little local store i mean oh i mean can, can i get into thrift stores and <laughs> finding cameras yeah i mean not that, for reselling just for me or friends okay I you guess. know that's that's true 
with cameras and thrift stores, I do like buying one camera per trip. I also spend money on museums. And okay. I think that's important. That kind of goes back to what I was talking about with my mom. It's hard for me to pass up a museum. Some of my favorites would be like county museums. Like I've never been to this county before. I know nothing about this county. But going in and seeing how the county remembers itself. Well, most of those museums, too, are like $5 donations or oh, something. Yeah. We're not talking about like a $40 ticket to the Natural History Museum. <laughs> no, this no. Is, this is literally just like helping pay for the person that is running the place and opening and closing the door. So let's talk about like how much as far as a budget goes for a day-to-day trip. So like you go out almost for a month, basically. So how do you budget that? Oh, God, I over budget. I always over budget. That's such an important thing to do. It will freak you out at first how much money you think you're going to spend. And it's good to get that out of the way because it's better than being (laughs) freaked out by how much money you have spent. It's much, much better. I budget for $100 a day. That's that's mostly gas. That would mostly be gas. Um, Generally, what I spend is about $50 a day. But I budget for $100. It takes care of emergencies or car repairs or whatever. Last trip, I set aside $3,000. And that was through basically doing what I do while I'm camping in my daily life. I don't get coffee. I don't smoke. I don't buy a lot of things. You don't drink. You don't buy hookers. None of those things. No, no, none of those things (laughs) at all. Don't don't put that in. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I cut corners a lot. And I cut corners specifically for travel. Whenever I don't get something like, oh, should I get this or that? My thought is, well, you know, 50 bucks, that's a day. That's a day on the road. Yeah. So that's a day that I could spend on the road or I could have this whatever, you know? Yeah. Or you could buy a tire because you keep getting flat tires or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't you have to replace like two tires the last time? I had, yeah, I got two flats in a week. Um, <laughs> it sucks, but that's all part of it. Um, luckily, I found I found places that would plug them, and one place plugged it for free, which is a thing that happens sometimes. Yeah, wow, it's not. It's that's not so s- nice. But other places usually would charge like twelve, fifteen bucks for a plug. Speaking of ten, twelve bucks cash, that is my big thing. Is I bring cash money, and I bring small bills, and I kind of split up my money into two different piles. So right. essential pile, okay. and then non-essential pile, which is basically like thrift store random. Okay, stuff so you budget I for have. for fun, essentially. Oh, for sure. Okay, because I'm looking for that like weird thing. That one weird thing at a store where you're just like, what the hell is that? You know, I don't know. I I actually really like carrying cash with me. I don't like to be tied to my cards. And I know how much money I have because it's in my fucking hand. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So when you're traveling, that's important to have. You, you need to have cash because a lot of these places, you pull up to a campsite, there's not a host. So get the envelope, put the $5 in there, write your name and whatever, you know, your license number, stick it in the box and you're done. You're done. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about traveling with other people really quick. It's not something that I do a ton of. I used to, and then two years ago, I started traveling alone. And as a photographer, I really appreciate that. Um, even though yeah. you could travel with the sweetest, most wonderful people in the world, you do, if you're a nice person, you do feel bad for making them wait. And photography is all about waiting. You're waiting for light. You're waiting just to get your shit together. You're waiting to load film or unload film or or something. And if the person is super wonderful and kind, they'll understand that. But if you're super wonderful and kind, like you should be, you'll also understand that making them wait is not always good. 
even if they say they're okay with it. So traveling alone solves that problem. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have this situation with Marley last year. I think she just by the end of the trip was just done. Oh, she yeah. did not want to hike anymore. She did not want to do anything. And I kind of was like, no, this is our last, I think it was Cathedral Gorge in Nevada. And it's so amazing. And I was like, Marley, this place is rules. Like, and she was just like, eh, don't care. And I'm like, you got to come and like walk around with me. And I did. And she, I was totally doing the mom thing where I was like, see, it's so cool in here. You know, she's like, I don't give a shit. Like, leave me alone. I want to get on my phone, and do phone things with my friends. I don't know. But does she have anything to say about it? Does she have any like actual memories from the place? Um, she does. Uh, a few things that I've heard her say, especially with being quarantined was like, mom, let's just get in the car and go somewhere. So that's great. That's winning. (laughs) You have won. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Win. As far as traveling with others, especially with photography, might be difficult unless maybe you're traveling with a photographer. That could be really fun, interesting. It could give you a different perspective that you haven't really noticed before um it could be helpful you guys can be helpful uh, like all oh, meter or whatever you know like or yeah. oh, you want some more fi- like trade film or whatever you're doing like you you both suddenly have an assistant yeah totally yeah. which is great yeah you know you, <laughs> and then also splitting gas and lodging and it's safer because you have someone with you yes and also if you haven't tried traveling alone try it yeah i have a trick one little teeny tiny little trick what's your trick so if I'm traveling by myself and I leave, like, I usually have a chair or something, right? And I put it outside. If you bring two chairs and put two chairs out, so if someone sees you, like, as, and this is just, like, from a woman's standpoint. Oh. Um, they're like, oh, there's, like, a lady and she's camping by herself, but there's two chairs, so maybe there's somebody else in the van or whatever. And it kind of deters, like, maybe people. I don't know if that's a thing, but I'd do it. That's clever. I've never, as a white male, uh, it's curious. <laughs> I've never had to think about that. Interesting. No, honestly, I, um, joking aside, that wouldn't have occurred to me. Thank yeah. you. Well, okay, so we've talked about the essentials and sleeping yes. and, and eating and, and gas and traveling with others and, and how to budget and all of that. But let's get to like the photography part of it. We're a photography podcast. We should probably talk about photography. We've hinted at it. We've beaten around the photography bush long enough. We're going out as photographers. We're not just traveling. We're not just going to, you know, amusement parks or whatever normal people do when they travel. I've lost complete touch with what normal people do on vacation, but we're not doing that. We're going out to photograph. We're doing uh, long photo shoots essentially Mm -hmm. how do you figure out what you're going to photograph okay well i think we're both probably going to say the same thing but um google maps yes is one of them you can like zoom into a place and like get somewhere and then pictures will start to show up would be basically you know um geotagging on Flickr is like a really cool like oh what's in this area i've never used you've been using that a lot lately i've never used that that's something that i really should not like the best but it works yeah and also too like i am kind of weird about that a little bit yeah um as far as like tagging places just because i feel like not that it's secret because it's not secret for the most part, I don't really like like tagging specific areas if I'm on vacation because that's not my home and I don't really feel right to just be like sharing someone else's secret spots. Yeah. 
So yeah, I mean, I guess like for the most part, looking at maps, looking at satellite images, looking at geotags, and then also just like sometimes random places like movies or TV shows and things like, like, oh, where is this? Yeah, that'll happen. Like, where did they film this? Yeah, and usually with Cal- you being in California, that's kind of like a, that's a thing, completely <laughs> thing for you. How I use Google Maps is, say I pick out a road that I want to get from point A to point B. I don't want to take that road. That's a... It's a two-lane or a four-lane road. So I'll look for parallel roads. And along those parallel roads, I'll zoom in with the satellite imagery and look for old old things to photograph. I'll look for abandoned buildings, abandoned schools, things like that, that you can photograph. And I've come up with a, a, quite, a, quite a number of things. A lot of my photographs that you'll see on uh, Instagram are from those endeavors. It, it works. works for me anyway. Well, getting off the main highway and taking those side roads and making sure you have time to do things like that, even if you're like, okay, I'm going to just go down this. I'm going to turn right. Yeah. I'm going to go down this road for a couple miles and see what I see. And if you see something cool, if not, then you don't. Yeah. That, I mean, it can work out for you. It's worked out for me. It is kind of rare, I've found. I always find it's better to plan ahead. I'm a big big planner, obviously. Okay, so do you know that field that I shot with the Rolly Crossbird yes. in the Hasselblad? Yeah. The 500C uh-huh. with my 50 millimeter. Oh my God, look at me talking about gear. <laughs> okay, so first of all, I really love that film. Uh-huh. Um, that was a road that I had just decided to drive down and see what happened, like see what it, sure. what was going on. And I found that little area and it was kind of like, I would call it, I don't know, honey hole, like nope. photo spot. No. <laughs> Nope. Nope. I don't think we should call anything that. Not even if it's a a literal hole filled with honey. Should it ever be called a honey hole? No. Nope. Okay. Okay. So I found that like really amazing spot. And it's just a tiny little piece. Also, you recommended me getting that Fuji color film um, in sheets. Yes. And I shot it at 6 ISO. Yes. That was actually a road that I turned down and I drove maybe a quarter of a mile yeah. and I found just those Joshua trees in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's wonderful. And that's like one of my favorite pictures. So mm-hmm. I don't give a shit what you say about planning. Turn on a road, do a couple, like do two miles. If you don't see something, then turn back. No big deal. No, or it's... pull over, look at your map see what's down the road, yeah. see if it's even a road, you know, yeah. and then go from there. Yeah. Um, you remember that photo I took of the everything I've ever taken? That was all planned. Wow. You're so sassy today. <laughs> <laughs> you can do different levels of planning, of course. I mean, you can plan the exact route, the exact turns and all of that. Like when I did Route 66 several times, that is that is all planning. That is you're doing, you're, you're specifically following a very specific route. When yes. I do other trips, um, I am pretty specific, but that's also because I need to find places to stay and you need to kind of be around those places. Um, also, too, things change. You know, like my last summer trip got cut short because my grandmother passed away. Yeah. So I was like, I need to get home. Yeah. So everything that I had planned was gone and it's okay. Like it, it, it's not a big deal. I'm very easygoing. Like if shit goes crazy and things happen, like I'm okay and willing to change plans when necessary. Yeah. Luckily that was like when we were in Yellowstone. So I was like, okay, well I need to like find a route home. And you're like, well, how many days do you want to take? And I was like, well, like two days. And you're like, okay, we'll do this, this and this. And that's what I did. Yeah. And And it was so fun. Comes from me being very organized and remembering where I've been. (laughs) See, I just basically... Just ask Eric. 
He'll help you out. He'll plan your trip for you. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that covers like a lot of the, the rural stuff with like the, you know, being off the highways and all of that. But when you're in towns, I do a lot of small town shooting. Mm-hmm. And I have found that railroad towns by far give you many more photos than non-railroad towns. So you look for the railroads on Google Maps? Yeah. You look on the satellite and you, these can be old railroads too, the ones that aren't there anymore. That are just, you know, right-of-ways at this point. But the towns still retain that railroad town charm. I'm a sucker for a town square. (laughs) I really love them. So, like, in California, Mm -hmm. if you want to camp somewhere, you have to plan six months in advance. That's basically, like, what you have to do. There are some areas where you don't have to. I do notice that if you go super early in the season, like May, June... And then um, at the end of the season, when people are starting, like kids are going back to school at the end of August and September. Yeah. Um, it's good. And then, of course, like this is California. So weather's basically good till about October. Yeah. And then it starts to get like five degrees colder <laughs> and then winter is here. But you know what wow. I mean? Like you have to you definitely have to kind of um, vacation a little bit differently in California because there's just a massive amount of people here. Yeah. I have noticed getting out of California has been just like a great experience. I still carry a little bit of anxiety of not being able to find a place to stay. So I'm always first things first, find where I'm staying that night yeah. and then kind of go from there. So set up like a base camp or, okay, there's plenty of space, feel comfortable with the place and then kind of venture off after that. Yeah. Because I think we're like on opposite sides of the spectrum here. Like you are very, very well planned and I am very, very not well planned at all. I kind of just decide as I go. And yet I don't have reservations for anything. I don't know where I'm staying. Like that's crazy. Night tonight, I don't know where I'm staying. Um, <laughs> well, I helped you a few times actually. When you were on the road, I came home, and there were a few times where you needed some help, and I helped you out. Yeah, you did, and that that is yeah. Always have somebody at home that can help you if, if possible. <laughs> that's always nice. Oh, you know another good thing to think about, like say you're going to like a canyon or something. Yeah, finding out what the sun direction is. When I shot Pawnee Buttes. I went on this website called SunCalc and you plug in your coordinates and the, and the day and the time you're going to be there and it'll tell you where the sun is in relation to where you are, it'll tell you where the shadows are. And so I was able to almost get the shot that I wanted, but it was my own <laughs> mathematic fall. I forgot to factor in daylight saving time of, of the sun rising between the two buttes. And uh, I saw it, but my, my camera wasn't set up. I saw it when I was hiking to the spot like, hey, that's the photo I want an hour from now. Oh, no. Oh, no. So maybe I'll get it this year. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about what we're shooting. We didn't talk about the film or the cameras themselves. And that's obviously the most important thing when it comes to taking photographs. You need ways to do that and ways to protect that when you're on the road. So you've gotten yourself a 12-volt. I did. I've had one for the past two years. I love it. Uh, You could use a regular cooler, uh, but you have to load it with ice. And ice and film, bad combination because... Ice is going to melt, water is going to leak into your film, guaranteed, will absolutely happen. But film does yes. need to be kept cool. So how did you do it before you had the cooler? Blankets. Yeah. Um, I have this little travel caddy okay. kind of thing. Um, and then there's like a couple Ziplocs of film. They're all separated by like size. What I would used to do, would I would keep things in a soft cooler and I'd open the cooler at night 
and the cool air would get in there, and then I'd close it up right in the morning, so the cool air would be trapped in there for most of the day. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. And blankets also help a lot. If you have a blanket, just, just throw it over your film. I mean, basically, don't put, like, your film on the dash, unless you're looking for some, like, crazy photographs, right? Film, taken care of. Great. We got that. We got that loaded into cooler. If you can afford a 12-volt cooler, do it. If you, if you need a regular cooler, do it. If you need a soft cooler or blankets, whatever, just keep it out of the sun, and you'll be good. You'll be fine. What about cameras? Cameras start out very organized. So again, I get that little trunk caddy. Yeah. It has like handles on the sides. It has dividers and like little net pockets. So I store my soft. They're basically like inserts for bags. And I put cameras in there. And then I put them in the actual like caddy. So then when I'm going to shoot, I can just pull out one of the inserts and then my camera's there. By the end of the trip, my cameras are fucking everywhere. And they're like on my front seat. They're on like the driver. Like they're everywhere. It's ridiculous. So it doesn't last very long. (laughs) I'm totally like telling you. Okay. Like, oh yeah, I do this. But really I start that way and then it gets like kind of chaotic by the end of the trip. Things are crazy. I try to reorganize a few times along the road. So I do the same thing. Oh, for sure. Like I take everything out of my car and then put everything back in. Yeah. I have one of those trunk organizers as well. I buckle it into my back seat. Actually, Mm -hmm. I buckle another one into my front seat too when I'm traveling alone. I'm traveling with a lot fewer cameras now. And they do all have their place. And yes, like Vanya, I will be disorganized. But keeping, you know, trying to keep organized as you go really does help. I try to keep the sun off of them because they have film in them and I'm worried about light leaks. And I put a blanket over that or like a dark bag or something. I have like places for filters and lenses and all of that. That that gets pretty chaotic, I'll admit. Oh, yeah. Also, bringing a dark bag is important. I mean, obviously, yes. like I'm bringing one because I am going to be shooting with my my Graflex camera this time. This will be the first time I've been on the road with my 4x5, so this That's a, may be interesting. Yeah, that is a whole other thing. We could do a whole episode on traveling with 4x5 because it's a... <laughs> It's a glorious pain in the ass. And they're Yeah, because I'm thinking like, okay, like after I shoot them, they're like, what do I do now? I wanna be able to continue shooting. So yeah, that's that's gonna be an interesting thing to kind of tackle. Changing on the road and keeping the film cool, which is pretty important. And just Yeah. Yeah, keeping it dust free. Big good luck with that. Okay, so I'm taking a trip. Yes. Uh, So And I'll be seeing several different landscapes. So Right now, for the most part, the trip is fairly planned, mm-hmm. uh, but I haven't decided what film I'm, sh- I'm, I'm bringing yet. Um, I have an idea, and then as far as the cameras, I have an idea. But really, when it comes down to it, it's going to be like lining up the cameras and going, okay, am I going to shoot with you or not? Yeah. Will I pay attention to you enough? And there's always going to... Always going to bring an extra one that's not going to really get used at all because that's what happens every hmm. time. I think I use everything that I bring. That's good. I like rotating them out. But I'm, I'm bringing fewer cameras. I'm going to, you know, bring maybe maybe five cameras all, all told, which I know for yeah. some people is a lot. But, you know, I, I'm bringing two Graflex. I'm bringing the actual like four by five and then I'm bringing the baby. Oh, no. Which is my baby Graflex. <laughs> And I want to shoot it two different ways. So I have sheets for it. I have that like F key, like 100 um, sheets that I got for it. Uh But I'm also really excited about doing those like Polaroids um, because the Instax fit perfectly in the two and a quarter, three and a quarter backs. Oh, yeah, they do. So I will be shooting 
some instacks with the baby Graflex, and I'm very excited about it. That'll be interesting uh, to see how long it takes you to do all of that. Oh, it's going to be such a pain in the ass. I need to be a little bit better about just taking a moment and being like, you know what? Is this worth clicking the button? Am I ready for the shot? Did I get it ready? That's travel in a nutshell, I think. You know, pick your places, pick your shots, pick your battles, and do it with everything you've got. Um, sometimes you have failures and they're funny. And, you know, sometimes you, you hit it and you get the right shot. Yeah. Make the best out of it. Even if you're waiting for a shot, just enjoy yourself. This is yeah. your time away from your normal, weird little life. No matter what you're doing, enjoy it. Have fun. You like fun, don't you, Vanya? I sure do. Yeah, I thought so. As we're wrapping this episode up, we've got a couple things to take care of first. And, and the most important thing is uh, a zine review. Vanya, you recently got a zine that you've mentioned a couple of times. Uh, you really like this thing. Tell me about it. Yes, I absolutely love it. It's so great. So Matt Murray sent me uh, every summer, and it is a 8x8 uh, perfect bound Ooh. zine, photo book-esque thing. There's a bunch of stories in it. Um, I absolutely love the zine. Um, it's more than just a zine. It's something really lovely and just funny too um there's personal stories in it matt seems to have definitely poured his heart and soul into this one his images uh he captured are bright and bold and definitely i mean the title says it summer and it is very very summer uh there are a mix of landscapes capturing some lovely lovely grain as well as some stills of summertime fun with family and of course there is the ice cream truck and <laughs> i'm absolutely in love with this ice cream truck and the story that's attached to the ice cream truck is really great too but you will have to get a copy because i'm not going to spill it where can they get a copy of this well, so Matt Mary has like several different Instagrams. Okay. So I will tell you all of them. <laughs> How handy. There is Matt Loves Cameras, okay. Matt Loves Instant, Matt Loves Film, and Matt Loves. So he loves lots of things. Um, he also has a website. It's mattlovescameras.com. Okay. I highly recommend getting this. It was just so... Um, it was such a good mail day, and he sent me postcards, and I've basically used them all already. I'm so sad. <laughs> but, oh, my God. Just such a wonderful, like, bright, sunny book. That's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. Love it. And, and very uh, apropos for the episode that we're doing today on travel, yes, on summer I travel. Know. Dude, this ice cream truck, though, you guys, seriously. I mean, I don't know if you guys follow him. I'm sure he's posted it at some point. Uh, it is just wonderful. Um, his perspectives of some of the architecture. Yeah. It's just a really good photo book. He kind of, like, pushed the bar up a little bit. It's nice to yeah. that. It's very well made, and I, I really love the writing in here. It's given me some time to kind of think about, like, as far as my next one goes. I kind of want kind of want to add a little, a little bit more writing. Oh, cool. A little bit, maybe some more personal stories. I think that really um, gave a more personal touch to this. Yeah. They're not just pictures. No, I'm very excited to see that. So thank you, Matt, for sending me this scene. I absolutely adore it. It's going to be in my living room probably for quite some time for Ooh. people to take a look at. Nice. 
One thing I just wanted to mention really quick that I didn't say earlier is if you make zines and you're traveling, bring some along. Hmm. I tend to find other artists and people on the road and I've actually traded uh, my zine for their zine or some body of work that they had which was really really cool um, it also kind of gives a bigger picture of like what you're doing because some people are like okay so you're a film photographer be like oh yeah well like if you want you know you could check this is this is kind of what I've been working on yeah and yeah. show them something um, there's been several times where I didn't have a zine and I was like oh I thought you know like I, I thought I had one in here and I'm looking for it like oh why did I not bring zines with me I should have just brought them so just bring some along with you yeah. they could be useful I agree I agree I something I, I, I don't do much of and I really should okay so I think that's all the podcasts that we have for you today I, I hope so. you guys liked our travels yeah um, it, it's hopefully uh, it was useful you find something useful in it um but really honestly just get out there and travel just just get out i mean it's 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 time be safe even if it's not the corona thing going on whatever you're doing be safe and and be smart but get out there Mm -hmm. and and see some things photograph some things you'll you'll enjoy that i assure you if you'd like to contact us, we're at allthroughalens.podcast on Instagram. By email, it's allthroughalens.podcast at gmail, and we're allthroughalens on Twitter. Vanya is Surf Martian. And Eric is at conspiracy.of.cartographers. Both on Instagram. Speaking of Instagram, make sure to hashtag your stuff, hashtag allthroughalens to be featured. We also do a Spotify playlist for each episode, so check those out and see what we're listening to. Just search All Through a Lens. You can also find our episodes on Spotify, as well as on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Subscribe and leave a review. The music you're hearing now is from Last Regiment of Syncopated Drummers, which you can find at lastregiment.com. And thank you all so, so much for listening. We love you, and we will see you in August. Uh, Vanya? Yes? Do you want to Go shooting. Fuck yeah, I do. Let's go. Let's go. Save your tears in a little jar for me and I'll carry it around with me and be like, these are Eric's tears. (laughs) I keep them in my bag.